Thank you for watching today. I pray that the message you're about to hear will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app. Have you heard of the term woke culture? It means to be aware of and actively attentive to important facts and issues. What about cancel culture? That's a way of expressing disapproval and exerting social pressure. This is the society that we're living in today, but it's time to take a stand and start living the kingdom culture. What does that mean? Let's find out in today's message. In fact, the first question I would just like to put out is this, uh, what is Christianity? Because to most people today, Christianity is a religion. And not only is it a religion, but it is a way for you to be forgiven and go to heaven. Now, that is true, but that is not what Christianity is. Christianity is not about your being forgiven and going to heaven. I'm going to say that again. That is not what Christianity is. So what is Christianity? Well, first of all, let me say this, that Christianity is not a religion for a variety of reasons. First of all, religion is man doing certain things to reach out to God, where Christianity is God reaching to man. It's not man-initiated, it's God-initiated. But really, to most people, what Christianity, what, what religion is, is religion is some part of your life. It's like we compartmentalize our life. Like we've got our family life and our work life and our entertainment life and our sex life and our religious life. But, but uh, let me just say that Jesus does not recognize that. Um, Christianity is not about Sundays, Easter, funerals, baptisms, baby dedications, whatever it is. In fact, the Bible says when Christ, who is your life, who is your life? See, what, what, what Christianity wants to embrace, what Jesus wants to embrace, is he wants to embrace every single aspect of your life. And when, when you've got areas that are off limits to Jesus, then that is something that is not part of your salvation. It's not part of Jesus' lordship. It's not part of the kingdom of God. You see, he's either Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. In fact, in Luke 14, Jesus said, if anyone comes to me and doesn't hate his father and his mother and his wife and his children, his brothers and his sisters, yes, his own life, he cannot be my disciple. He's saying our commitment and our love for Jesus has to be greater than our love for anything and anybody else. Jesus said, if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up your cross and follow me. So first of all, Christianity is not a religion. Secondly, Christianity is not a philosophy. Really, it, it, I, I'm gonna say this, you can have a philosophy that comes from Christianity, and hopefully you do. In fact, we could almost say a worldview. But philosophy in itself is limited to the realm of ideas and thoughts. And Christianity is in no way limited to the realm of ideas and thoughts and morality. 
It is not something you just think about. Listen, you were saved by acts. Jesus went to a cross. They put real nails in his hands and in his feet. They put a real hole in his side. He was really dead. He was really buried. And he really rose from the dead. There is an empty tomb. Christianity is not a philosophy. In fact, when, G, when, when uh, Peter preaches the first sermon on the day of Pentecost, this is how people respond. They said, men and brethren, what must we Everybody say it. What must we do? It's not just about thoughts and ideas. You were saved by real acts and Christianity, when it is functioning properly in our lives, causes us to act, to do certain things. Number three. I probably should have preached this six months ago. Christianity is not a political party. Now, listen carefully. You, are, you and I, we're called to be salt and we're called to be light. And our, our, our Christianity should influence the political process. But listen, Christianity has the same goal as a political party. Because Christianity wants to change the world. In fact, this is what they said. As uh, Paul and his companions arrive in town, they say, they're, they're crying out and says, those who have turned the world upside down have come here also. So what were they doing? They were turning the world upside down. And Christianity ought to turn the world upside down. In fact, really, downside right. Because it's already messed up. We are called to change the world. But not through a political process, but through the gospel. And every time the church forgets that, it's a catastrophe. Just think about the Crusades. Number four, Christianity is not a success program. Where the goal of Christianity is your success. Now, there will be success, but that's not the goal. And by the way, as Americans, we are used to consumerizing everything. And literally, there are, I have seen where in some circles, Christianity becomes a self-improvement program and almost becomes a product. But what true Christianity does is it changes who you are and who you belong to and who you live for. So what is Christianity? There is only one answer that is all sufficient. Every other view is insufficient. Christianity is a kingdom. That's what it is. It's a kingdom. When Jesus came, began to preach, Mark's gospel says it this way, the times fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. The message Bible says it this way. Jesus said, time's up. God's kingdom is here. Change your life and believe the message. All the prophets prophesied about a coming kingdom. When Jesus was going to be born, the angel Gabriel appears to Mary. He said, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his 
kingdom, there will be no end. Matthew's gospel, really Matthew 1, 2, 3, give a little bit of history. Matthew 4, Jesus goes, he's baptized in the Jordan River. He begins to preach saying, repent, change the way you think, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, by the way, the mystery of the kingdom is that the kingdom is here, but the kingdom is still coming. It's here, but it's coming. Again, change your life. God's kingdom is here. And literally, everything that Jesus teaches is about how to live in the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus said, Luke 22, verse 29. Bestow, behold, I bestow or confer upon you a, what do you leave us? A, a kingdom. Just as my father bestowed or conferred a kingdom upon me. So what has Jesus given us? A, a kingdom. Jesus left us a kingdom. In fact, Acts, Acts 1, Jesus has risen from the dead. It says this in verse 3. To whom also he presented himself alive after his sufferings by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking to them of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So when Jesus arose from the dead and he's spending time with his disciples, he's making sure they understand about the kingdom. In John 3, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and he said to Nicodemus, most assuredly I say unto you, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. In fact, if you're not born again and you look at Christianity, you think there's a religion, there's a philosophy, there's morality. They just teach some morality, do some do's and don'ts. But Jesus said to understand what Christianity really is, you have to be born again, and then you'll un you should understand Christianity is not about just your being forgiven and going to heaven. Is that the res end result? Yes, but we'll explain later. It's not what you think. It's much better. It is much better. But Jesus said, unless you're born again, you don't recognize what Christianity really is. It is a kingdom, not just ideas or a philosophy or morality or religion. And again, the mystery is that the kingdom's already here and the kingdom is coming. In fact, when Jesus taught us to pray, he taught us to pray and say, your kingdom come. And then really, this is a great description of the kingdom. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, we just had this idea. God just wants us to get us to heaven. No, no, no. He wants heaven here on earth. That's what we're praying, that your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So Luke 17, he, Jesus said, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. That's the kingdom that's here. But there is another kingdom that's coming. And when the kingdom comes, it will be within you, but it will also be on the outside. In fact, uh, when Jesus returns, most, most of us, even as Christians, have, have so little concept of the kingdom being enforced. 
But when Jesus returns, the kingdom is enforced. We just, we, 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 the fact, the Jews were looking for the Messiah to come and enforce the kingdom. And because that's what they were looking for, they missed the fact that the king, the Messiah, would come twice. Once as a humble servant to redeem. But secondly, as king of kings and lord of lords to rule and to reign. Psalms 110. The Lord is at your right hand and he will execute kings in the day of his wrath. He will judge among the nations and he will fill the place with many dead bodies and he will execute the heads of many countries. Now that's when Jesus comes back. He's not coming back as a suffering servant. He's coming back as king of kings and he is coming back to enforce his kingdom to enforce his kingdom. Notice he'll execute the heads of many countries. I would not want to be a lawmaker in America making stupid laws, right? Because the king is coming back and they can celebrate you today, but the day is coming when the king comes. See, right now is the time of grace. It's the time when literally you can volunteer to be a part of the kingdom. And by the way, the kingdom is to be experienced in a major part in the community of the church. And I'm glad for every single person that watches online. I'm glad for you. But you need to get in the community as you possibly can. Now in 2 Corinthians 5, in verse 20, it says, we are ambassadors for Christ. Listen, you need to think of yourself as part of a kingdom and you are the ambassador. You represent God's kingdom every place that you go. And you're supposed to be salt and we are supposed to be light. In uh, Luke 4, Jesus said this. He's come to proclaim the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. This is the time when people can decide, I want to get in the kingdom. I want to be a part. In fact, Romans 10 and verse 9 says, If you will confess with your mouth Jesus as your Lord or your King and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What getting saved is, is it is changing kingdoms. It's changing lords and changing kingdoms. Colossians 1.13 says you have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of the son of his love. Salvation is about changing kingdoms and salvation is about changing lords. I thought I might get a little more response than that, but here we go. All right, so he will enforce the kingdom. The Bible says in Philippians chapter two that you've given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven, of those on earth, and those under the earth. See, the day will come when everybody will bow. Every knee will bow. 
to the lordship, the kingship of Jesus and his kingdom. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's king to the glory of God the Father. So salvation is changing kingdoms. He delivered us out from under the power of darkness, the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of the Son of his love. Now, Matthew 13, that was the introduction, so now we're getting into the message. That's part of the introduction. Uh, in Matthew 13, Jesus gives seven parables. In fact, these are all given in one day. There's a sower, the, the, the parable of the sower, the parable of the wheat and the tares, the mustard seed, the leaven, the dragnet, the hisian treasure, the pearl of great price. Now, here's what Jesus does with every one of these. He says, the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like. Not it's Christianity is like a kingdom, but the kingdom of God is like. So he's, he's teaching about life in the kingdom. Now, the first one, which is really uh, given in even much more detail in Mark's gospel, is the parable of the sower. And by the way, this is the granddad of all the parables. In fact, Jesus said, if you do not understand Mark's gospel, the parable there of the sower, he said, you will not understand all of the parables. So Jesus tells the story. He says that a sower goes out and he sows, by the way, he sows the kingdom. He sows the seed of the kingdom. That's what he sows. The gospel is supposed to be, when, when we're preaching the gospel right, you understand the gospel, Christianity, is a kingdom. He says, and some of the, the seed is sown and it falls on a path. And it doesn't produce anything. He says, and some of it, it falls on stony ground and it's shallow. He says, and it doesn't produce anything. He says, and then some of the seed of the kingdom, the gospel, he says, it falls among thorns and it gets choked by the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things. And it produces zero. And then he says, and some falls on good ground. And then he takes his disciples aside and, uh, he teaches them, what does it really mean? So Matthew 13 and verse 19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, the word of what? The kingdom. And does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives the seed by the wayside. So the seed is the gospel about the kingdom. In fact, Jesus said this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world and then the end will come. One of the truths about the kingdom is that there is another kingdom. There's the kingdom of this world. The Bible says that Satan is the, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, is the God, small g, of this world. Now, the world as a whole is under the control of the enemy and it's motivated by lust, by greed, and by pride. First John 5, 19, we know positively that we are of God and the whole world around us is under the power of the evil one. The whole world is under the power of who? The evil one, that's the devil. People wonder why do bad things happen? If there's a loving God, because the whole world is under the power of the evil one. 
In John 14, Jesus said, the ruler of this world is coming. Speaking of the devil, the ruler of what? This world is coming. I think it's interesting in Acts chapter two, when Peter preaches, the people say, what must we do? And this is what they, 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 told them to, they told them what to do. And then they said, to be saved from this perverse generation. They didn't say be saved from hell. They said be saved from this perverse generation. In other words, you're taken out of the kingdom of this world, put into the kingdom of the son of his love. And we live different. We believe different. We have a different worldview than what the world does because we've been taken out of that kingdom. Well, we live by faith, hope, and love. And as Paul said in Romans, the kingdom of God, it's not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy in the Holy Ghost. So those that hear the word along the path, they don't understand it, they reject it. Satan comes, he steals that word from their heart. And they do not realize that they are missing out on the greatest treasure that anyone can ever experience in this life. Uh, a lot of people come to God, you know this, through trials and failures and time of broken heart. And, and we hope that those people that have rejected the kingdom, that they get another chance. So Jesus said some simply don't understand. Satan steals the word. But then he said, there's others who get offended and get qu and quit and others who get seduced back into the world. So if you have received the gospel of the kingdom, if you received the gospel of the kingdom, Jesus said, there's three possible futures for you. One is you get offended and you quit. Secondly, that you get seduced by the world and you fall away. And thirdly, you keep following Jesus and you bear fruit 30, 60, or a hundredfold. And by the way, uh, I wanted to ask, which are you? Are, are you somebody who gets offended? Are you somebody who gets seduced by the world, the flesh, the devil? Jesus mentioned the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things. They come in, they choke the word. Or are you somebody who's going to produce 30, 60, and 100 fold? Now, let me just, just say this. Uh, I've been in full-time ministry now for four, it'll be 45 years in just a couple weeks. I have never had one single person say to me, oh, I'm the shallow person who's getting offended. Nobody ever says that. But Jesus said, that if you receive, there's three possible futures. One is you just get offended. One, you get seduced away. And thirdly, he said, it's possible for you to produce 30, 60, and 100-fold. But he who receives a seed on the stony ground, the stony places, who hears the word of God, immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself but endures only for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arise for the word's sake or because of the word, immediately they stumble. This is the person. Now, this is not the stony. This is not the path. This is the stony ground. This is the one who hears the word and says, yes. Oh, yeah. 
They go out next week, buy a big Bible, put a fish on their car, get a chain with a cross to put around their neck. All right. And they're all excited and they're going, "Woo! heaven, blessing, deliverance, healing, miracles. Woo. Now, listen, enthusiasm's good, but enthusiasm's no guarantee. Jesus said, you can get offended. And here's basically what happens. Uh, see, when you get saved, you, there's some things you need, to, you need to put aside. You need to put aside some of your friends. You need to put aside your, your, your sins. You need to recognize that suddenly the strongest connection that you have in the world is to God and his family and his kingdom. But what happens is this people get offended. Now, we don't get offended at Jesus, not very often. But what we find out is that Jesus decides to populate his kingdom with people that lets you down. People that are imperfect, people that hurt you, right? And even you find out in the kingdom that according to Jesus' parables, there's people that they're hypocrites. They're there, but they're not really there, but you think they're there. And here's what people do. Well, I love Jesus. I just don't like the church. You get offended. And Jesus said, you fall away. And here's the thing. Offense can take place about this fast. You, you can get offended really quick. How many have ever had somebody mistreat you? Say things about you they shouldn't have said. Misunderstood what you did. Misunderstood what you said. Misun, misinterpret your, your, your motivation. And you can get offended. But Jesus said, don't let that happen to you. Don't be one of those who get offended. You see, the kingdom of God is not just about you. Rick Warren wrote that book like 20 years ago now purpose-driven life. I believe the first line says, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about the kingdom, right? We don't want anybody to be a kingdom casualty. And again, the kingdom is to be experienced inside the context of the church. And there is not a promise to you alone. Here's what a lot of people want. They just want, well, it's me and Jesus and a half a dozen butler angels that just get me all the stuff I want. And forget everybody else. But that's not the kingdom. That's not the kingdom. So some, they get offended and they fall away. But there's others that they fall by seduction. Offense takes place quick. But being seduced takes time. But they're both deadly. They're both deadly. Matthew 13. He said, verse 22. Now he who received the word among the thorns was here, here's the word. But the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. And uh, Mark Gospel adds here another thing Jesus said, the desire for other things. He said, it chokes the word and it becomes unfruitful. Now listen carefully, because we've all probably thought this or said this. We said, the word of God, it's powerful. It's miraculous, and there is nothing stronger than the Word of God. But listen to me. Not true. Because the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this world, and the desire for other things 
putting other things first instead of the kingdom, the Bible says it'll choke the word. It'll choke the word. It will choke the word. You say, yeah, but the words are here. Yeah, but the Bible says it'll choke the word. And you will become unfruitful. The cares of this world. We all know what that is. The deceitfulness of riches. You know, it comes along to everybody. And it says, man, if you just had more, you'd be happy. You'd be fulfilled. You'd be successful. You'd be satisfied. You would be somebody you would not hurt if you just had more. But the truth is, it's all a lie. But the word deceitfulness of riches, well, if you just had an extra 10,000 a year, 25,000 a year, or man, if, if you just had 3 million or 10 million, or wherever the number is, and you make that your pursuit instead of the kingdom of God, it will choke the word of God. Now listen, God is not against your being blessed. The Bible says this in 1 Timothy chapter 6, who richly gives us all things to enjoy. God wants you blessed. He wants you to enjoy what you have. The Bible says he richly gives you all things to enjoy. But that can't be your pursuit. Our pursuit cannot be the pursuit of stuff. Our number one pursuit needs to be the kingdom of God. But seek first, Jesus said, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. See, money's just a tool. It's a terrible master, a terrible lover. And it will try to seduce you. It's a great tool when we aren't pursuing it above all other things. Verse 23, but he who receives the seed on the good ground, and it's the one who hears the word, understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some 100, some 60, and some 30. See, my prayer is that if Jesus tarries for 30 years, 40 years or 50 years that you will not be seduced, that you will not be offended, but that you will be producing fruit in the kingdom of God. Some 30, some 60, and some a hundredfold. That is the good news that the kingdom of God is here. You know, there's roughly 200 nations on the face of the earth. And the Bible is very clear. They are under the dominion of Satan. They're under his, and they're driven by lust and by greed and by pride. But Jesus came and brought another kingdom. And in that kingdom, he's Lord. He's king. Don't let offenses, don't let the things of this world seduce you. Don't get one of those people who's just like, you know, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. You know, that'd be like somebody saying, hey, I, 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 I like you, but I hate your spouse. How many know that would not go over well? Every one of us, my prayer is that you reach the potential that you bear fruit in the kingdom of God. Say today, if you realize in your heart you're not right with God, you're away from the Lord. And you say, I want to be right with God. Let me tell you the two things God wants from you. He wants you to receive the forgiveness that he offers you. And he wants you to surrender your life to Jesus. And I'd like you to pray a prayer with me right now to receive that forgiveness and to surrender your life to Jesus. And when we say amen, you're going to be right with God. Just make these words your own. Just say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. 
I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm going to live for him every day. Now, thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven, that I'm your child, a part of your family today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that simple prayer from your heart, you are right with God. You're forgiven. You're a part of his family on your way to heaven. And I want to help you keep growing spiritually. And because of that, the desire, I wrote a book full of bullet points to help you keep growing spiritually. And I want to give it to you free of charge. Uh, All you need to do is get online, download the book, Your New Life. It's going to bless you and help you keep on growing in Jesus. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. We are so excited for you. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have it mailed to you. Download it right there instantly, or you can find it on our app. It's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. We believe that when you confess God's Word daily and you begin to meditate on it, it will change your life. Check out the confession section on the home screen of the Walking by Faith app. You can also listen to all past sermons, submit a prayer request, check out the weekly devotional, and so much more. Look for it in your favorite app store today. Walking by Faith is reaching the world with the truth of God's Word on and off the air. If this ministry is blessing you and feeding you spiritually, please consider becoming a partner with us by going to walkingbyfaith.tv. Find us on Roku, Amazon, Fire TV, and on your favorite social platform by searching for WBF TV. I pray that you start to live in that kingdom culture. We'll see you again next time. Until then, be blessed.